0: Today there are more work-saving devices than ever before. We've got computers and scanners and cellular phones and pagers and voicemail and speed dialing and next-day air. And yet people seem to be working harder than ever. There are longer hours, more stress, and more burnout. seems the only thing that we've really added is Speed and noise we're moving faster but we're more out of breath when we get there you ever get tired just thinking about what you have to do you ever find yourself as fatigued on Monday morning as you were on Friday afternoon you ever feel guilty when you relax it's like the man who swallowed an egg whole He was afraid if he moved, it would break. And if he sat still, it would hatch. (laughs) A lot of people are that way. Well, God has given us a recipe for dealing with restlessness. And it's in the fourth commandment in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The word Sabbath means rest. God has set aside a day of rest. And there are three primary rests in Scripture. There is the creation rest, there is the covenant rest, and there is the Calvary rest. First of all, there is the creation rest. This commandment is established on a precedent that God set. In fact, verse 11 takes us back to creation and paraphrases Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. Now, why did God rest? Was He tired? Of course not. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says, The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. So then why did He rest? Well, one of the reasons he rested was to reflect on what he had created. Why do we have a rest in music? Are the musicians tired? No. That's a pause for emphasis and reflection. God established the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he paused and reflected on it and said, that is very good. God also rested because he was finished. He completed creation, and He paused because it was done. But I think there's a third reason He rested, and that is He rested to establish a pattern for man. We are to have a day of rest. Every seven days, you're to take a day off. Why? Let me suggest three practical reasons. Number one is to rest your body. The logic of the workaholic is, if I work all the time, I'll get more done. And God says you are to take one day off every week. Inc. Magazine recently did a survey in which 62% of Americans said, I have burned out, or I am on my way to burn out. If you are burning the candle at both ends, you are not as bright as you think you are. In the French Revolution, they threw out all the old laws. One of them they threw out was that old obsolete law of Sundays off. They decided every day will be a work day. Within months, they had reestablished the Sunday off because the health of the French people collapsed. We need a day off for our bodies. When you have a reluctance to rest, it's a sign of two things. Number one, it's a sign of immaturity. When you're immature, you don't like to rest. Do your kids like to go to bed on time? No. But you insist. Why? Because if they don't get their proper rest, they'll be worthless the next day. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Has God ever had to make you lie down? because you wouldn't lie down yourself. You know, workaholics who never take a day off eventually observe them by two weeks in the hospital. It's just cumulative days of rest. But if you're reluctant to rest, it's also a sign of a second thing. Not only immaturity, but insecurity. You say, I've got to keep doing things. I can't take a day off because I've got too much to do. Well, God took a day off, who are you? You know, if you take a day off, the, the earth will keep spinning. You say, but if I take a day off, I'll get behind. You know, there's a great verse in Psalm 127 too. It says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for He gives to His beloved even in his sleep. God is the one who provides for you and He provides for you even when you take a day of rest. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 31, Jesus said to His disciples, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. They got away to relax. If you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. Our bodies were not built for non-stop work. And you now have a biblical basis for Sunday afternoon naps. In fact, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Second practical reason you're to take a day off is not only to rest your body, but to rest your soul. See, you don't just get physically tired, you get emotionally tired tired. You could take the whole weekend and sleep, and you would still go back on Monday emotionally drained. Why? Because sleep is not enough. It will take care of physical fatigue. It will not take care of emotional fatigue. How do you rest and recharge your emotions? Number one, include time for quiet. Psalm 23 says, He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Quietness and soul restoration go together. And we live in a world that is filled with noise pollution. It's hard to find a place that is truly quiet. And yet the Bible says in Isaiah 30:15, In quietness and trust is your strength. And God says in Psalm forty six ten, be still and know that I am God. You need to schedule in time to be quiet with the Lord. See, most people spend their weekend recreating. And they recreate and recreate and recreate and they're never quiet and they wonder why they're all stressed out when they go back to work. Second thing, Include time for your family. You need a day off to be with your family. That's one of the reasons we don't schedule a Sunday night service because it gives you time to be together as a family. One of my favorite verses is Ecclesiastes 9.9. 9. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love. That's my Valentine's verse to you. Enjoy life with the woman you love men go home today and talk with your wife and play with your kids or play with your wife and talk with your kids take time to enjoy life together and then thirdly include time for fellowship throughout the New Testament we're told to encourage one another That's one of the things that we do when we come together. We encourage each other. That's why David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Have you ever said, I'm tired, I've got a lot to do, I don't have time to go to church, but you came anyway and you were glad you did? I felt that way this morning. I said to Temple, I I don't feel like going to church. She said, you're the pastor, you've got to go. And I came, and I feel better. You know, there's a great emphasis in the New Testament on having meals together and fellowshipping in that context. This is a great day to take somebody along to lunch and just fellowship with them. Then there's a third practical reason you're to take a day off, and that is not only to rest your body, not only to rest your soul or your emotions, but to rest your spirit. The early church settled in the meeting together once a week for teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. They understood the need for worship and spiritual refreshment. America has turned Sunday into Sunday. Most people don't worship God on this day. They worship the sun. They go to the beach, they have ceremonial baptisms, they anoint their body with oil, and they lay prostrate before the sun god. That's their worship. You see, we not only need physical rest and emotional rest, we need spiritual rest. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake you're assembling together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, we don't just come to church for God. We come to church for us. It's a time to be fed, a time to be challenged, a time to refocus spiritually. Jesus asked the question in Mark eight thirty six: What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul. That's what we ask ourselves each week. What have I invested the last six days in? And what am I going to invest the next six days in? We need that weekly inventory along with a time to worship God. You say, I wanted to come to church, but we had unexpected company in town. I wanted to come, but I was just so tired I slept in. Things have been so hectic, we just went to the lake. I am so behind on yard work, I had to get it done. You familiar with those excuses? Try them on your boss on Monday morning. Our gathering together is essential. And the Bible says you're not to forsake it. And listen, parents, values are not simply taught. They are caught. And if you take going to church lightly, then your kids will catch the message that it's not really important. And by the way, if our gathering together is going to be a time of rest, then you can't come flying in here out of breath from a rushed and chaotic morning. We should take our cue from the Jewish Sabbath they began on the evening before. And my memories as a kid, and this this will date me, but my memories as a kid on Saturday night were polishing my shoes and watching Gunsmoke. And husbands, you can help make Sunday morning a more relaxing time for your wife. I heard about one wife who said to her husband, if you come in here and help get the kids ready, I'll go out, sit in the car, and honk the horn." So there's the creation rest. God set the pattern for one day a week to rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But secondly, there's the covenant rest. Creation rest pertained to God. Covenant rest pertained to Israel. Creation rest was a model for man in general. Covenant rest was a mandate for the children of Israel. You say, well, how do you know that? Listen to this verse, Exodus 31, 13. God speaking to Israel said, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Verse 14, Therefore you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Verse 16, So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath, to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. The Israelites were to set aside the seventh day of every week as a sign of their covenant. Go ahead and do what you're doing. (laughs) How's that? All right. The Sabbath day was a sign of Israel's covenant, covenant relationship with God. Now, we need to understand that because this law is not a moral law. It is a ceremonial law. It was like circumcision. It was a sign between God and Israel. In fact, it's interesting that every one of the other Ten Commandments are found in the New Testament with the exception of one. And that is, you shall keep the Sabbath day. It was Israel's law. It was their sign of their covenant relationship with God. You say, well, aren't Christians supposed to keep the Sabbath day? No. Your relationship with God is not based on the old covenant. Your relationship with God is based on the new covenant. Your covenant relationship with God is not law. Your covenant relationship with God is grace. Christians are not required to keep the Sabbath day. And listen, the requirements of the Sabbath day are not, have not been transferred over to Sunday. There are some people today who say they want to keep the Sabbath day like the people in the Old Testament. But if you say you are keeping the Sabbath day today or if you say you kept the Sabbath day yesterday, you don't understand the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 15 says, For six days work may be done, and on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. Breaking the Sabbath was punishable by death. Now what constituted work? Well, let me give you a sample. Exodus 35, 3 says, You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the sabbath day. You couldn't start a fire on the sabbath day. So if you start your engine today, what have you done? You've started a fire in every one of those cylinders. If you turned on a light bulb today, when you flipped the switch, you started a fire. If you turned the thermostat up because it was a little cold, you turned on the furnace and you started a fire. You see, if you put yourself under the Old Testament Sabbath, you have committed a capital offense. In fact, in Israel, there was really more than one Sabbath. There was the Sabbath day every seventh day when they were not to work. There was also essentially the Sabbath month because in the seventh month, they were to observe the Day of Atonement. And then there was the Sabbath year. Every seventh year, they were to rest the land and plant no crop. And then every seven weeks of years, or every 49 years, they celebrated the day of Jubilee when they released all their captives and canceled all their debts. So if you're going to keep the Sabbath day, you have to keep all of those Sabbaths. And if you're going to keep all of those Sabbaths, I would like to talk to you about a loan. This was a sign between God and Israel. It's not a command for Christians today. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says this in verse 10, You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. When Paul saw Christians trying to keep the Sabbath day, he said, I fear for you. Why? We're told earlier in that passage in verse 9, he says, because you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things. What are the weak and worthless elemental things? They are those things in the ceremonial law. When you try to keep the Sabbath, you are turning from the new covenant to the old covenant because that is the sign of the old covenant. And Paul says, when I see that, I fear for you. In fact, listen to what he says in Romans 14, 5. One man regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, in the first century, there was about an equal number of Jews and Gentiles who were being saved. Those from a Jewish background were saying, we need to keep the Sabbath day. Those from a Gentile background were saying, every day is alike. And what does Paul say? How does he resolve the issue? Does he say, it's the fourth commandment, you've got to keep it? No. He says, it's a matter of conscience because he understood that those from a Jewish background needed time to work through and let go of those old traditions. You say, well, why is it that we don't have to observe the Sabbath day today? Well, that's because of the third rest. That's Calvary rest. In John chapter 5, Jesus saw a man lying by the pool of Bethesda. We're told that he had been lying there for 38 years. And Jesus came up to him and said, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. And that's exactly what the man did. But it was the Sabbath day. And so as he picked up his bed and began to walk, the Jews came up to him and said, Hey, buddy, you know, you haven't walked for 38 years, so maybe you've forgotten the rules. You're not allowed to carry your bed on the Sabbath day. And his response was, Jesus made me well, and Jesus told me to And so it says the Jews began to persecute Jesus because He was healing people on the Sabbath day. And here is Jesus' response. John chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. Now that's interesting. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then He rested, and now He's working again. What is it that disturbed His rest? What is it that put God back to work again? Well, something happened in the first creation, and that is sin. And so Jesus came to work. He said in John 4, 34, I must finish the work of Him who sent me. And what was Jesus' work? Listen carefully. What was His work? His work was to create new people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Galatians 6.15 says, For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to do one work, and that was to create a whole new race of people. Now when did God rest? After His first creation. When did Jesus rest? after His new creation. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. I've got to get this work done. And then, while He was on the cross, before He bowed His head and died, He said what? It is finished. My work is done. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, we read this, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus finished the work and now he's resting. There were no chairs in the temple. Priests never got to sit down because their work was never done. But Jesus' work is done. Let me have you turn to Colossians chapter 2 real quickly because this passage really sums up what we're talking about here. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now in that day when a criminal was crucified, the crime that he committed was posted above him on the cross. And if you remember, when Jesus was crucified, Pilate put a sign there that said, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. But God nailed something else there. It was Jesus' crime. It was the crime He was dying for. And what was that? Our sins. He tells us that in verse 14. It was our debt of sin against the law that He nailed to the cross. And then come down to verse 16. He says, Therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Don't let anybody act as your judge in regard to a Sabbath day. Don't let anybody say, you started a fire on the Sabbath, you ought to be stoned. You carried your bed on the Sabbath. You took more than a Sabbath day journey. Why not? Verse 17. These things, what things? Food, drink, festivals, new moon, Sabbath day, all these ceremonial laws are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Sabbath day was a shadow. Now what does a shadow do? Well, it tells you that somewhere there's some substance. It tells you that somebody's coming and it gives you a vague idea of what they're like. Our cat was out in the backyard this fall and I saw him. Chasing the shadow of a bird. It's very funny. He's stalking this shadow all over the yard. And the reality is up there. See, people who are trying to keep the Sabbath are chasing shadows. The Sabbath is the shadow. The reality is Jesus Christ. And that's why the Old Testament Sabbath is so strict. There could be absolutely no work on the Sabbath day, and if you did work on the Sabbath day, you were put to death. Do you see how that foreshadows the Calvary rest? How much work can you do for your redemption? None. And if you do try to work for it and earn it, what do you get? Eternal death. The Sabbath is the shadow It vaguely presents the idea of rest. Jesus is the reality because He gives us true, eternal rest. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. You won't find rest in the Sabbath day. You only find true rest in Jesus. He made a new creation... He's now seated at the right hand of the Father because He's done, because it's finished, and you can come with no labor, no work, no effort, and rest in Him. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never experienced rest in Jesus, I'd like to give you that opportunity. We're going to close by singing hymn number 479, and as we do, I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we sing, I'm going to ask you to come as God may have spoken to your heart today. 479...